consider this question. Consider this question. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Consider This Question. This is the fourth episode on this subject of homosexuality. It was recorded Thursday in the morning on September 24th, 2015. And it is a conversation between four of our ministers concerning the pastoral response uh, to our congregants, to those we shepherd and lead spiritually on this subject. We think you'll really find it insightful. Love hearing the hearts of our ministers talk about whatever it is they talk about, because Jesus is reflected there. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to uh, our most recent podcast, uh, Consider This Question. Today we're going to continue our uh, conversation regarding um, uh, homosexuality and how, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand and deal with this particular topic. We've uh, had a number of different discussions. Most recently we talked about what the Bible specifically says, um, but I think one of the most important things that we can do is um, ask and answer the question, how do we deal with this pastorally? And uh, I want to be careful, um, you, you know, as we kind of begin this conversation, I'm here with actually with Drew Moss and Scott Irwin, uh, two guys that are uh, leading, along with Rachel Vincent, uh, our college ministry, and then Morgan Weiss is with us again. Um, appreciate her passion and dedication um, not only within our children's ministry, but then also within kind of the larger picture of our of our family ministry and dealing specifically with parents and helping them to disciple their kids. And so uh, that's what the table looks like. I'm going to be moderating today, but I want to just remind you guys that when we talk about the issue of um, pastoral and uh, kind of this pastoral care element, sometimes I think we focus too much on just encouraging and loving and coming alongside of. Um, and when I say even loving, I, I, usually when we look at that word, we mean more in a supportive role. Uh, but I think pastoral care is a whole lot more than just a hospital room visit or um, or counseling in the sense of, hey, how can I help you you know, feel better about the struggles that you're going through, but just genuinely caring for the soul of the person. Literally can leading, correcting, rebuking, all of those things fit shepherding. under the... Yeah, the... shepherding, yeah, the fullness of that. So, um, uh, you know, there are basically just three questions that I want to deal with. And uh, Scott, I'm going to kind of throw this at you first, um, you know... Uh, obviously, instead of like getting to this last, let's just hit hit this first. For those um, who are, say, and I'm, I'm going to kind of divide this into two camps, but the first one, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering with same-sex attraction, how do we lead them um, through that struggle that they are going through pastorally? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, I think one, of the, one of the things that I've found that um, people struggle with is not understanding the the struggle not understanding what it is they're going through and so um you know we'll get to we'll get to how we help our people think through this but um you know first first and foremost is as you begin to see see them the way jesus sees them and love them the way jesus would love them um with that comes grace and truth with that comes seeking understanding hearing their story not jumping to conclusions about what you perceive to be the choices that they've made to get them to where they are, but really hearing them out, hearing their story, hearing how this, where this struggle comes from. And, um, you know, and then I think through that, you begin to, you get, you begin to realize, oh, okay, you're just like me. I, I have struggles that I, I don't know why I have them and they come up and I have to constantly surrender and I have to constantly. So, um, so that would be first and foremost. The other, the other part is important to recognize. 
you know, and so much of this is discerning where this person is. Um, are they a follower of Jesus? Are they seeking to follow Jesus? Are they not a follower of Jesus? Are they, you know, so discerning where they're at spiritually is is another big part of it too, because you're gonna you're gonna want to talk about these things differently. Um, you're you're not gonna as a, a person who's a, a coworker who has no desire in following Jesus, it d- isn't a part of a church, or doesn't you know desire those things. To call them to repentance is a little early on in in the process. I mean, they're gonna need to know because of all the baggage that comes with yeah. their perception of the church on them and what Christians believe about them. All these things just need to be discerned as we seek to love them the way Jesus would love them with grace and truth. So, Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I really like the idea of, um, uh, I think so often when we think of this, we think of the topic instead of the person we're trying to reach. We're, so we're thinking, what does Scott need to know about this? Instead yes. of who is Scott? Yes. <laughs> you know, and where is Scott at? Even yes. um, I, I was challenged a number, of, uh, a number of months ago by somebody that was kind of calling me on the carpet a little bit, saying, you know, you're giving these kinds of instructions to 500 people in each service. Do you realize that some of these people can't do what you're asking? They don't have the marital context. They don't have the spiritual depth. They don't have a number of things. That was kind of, it was it was really help, helpful for me to realize that it, this isn't an argument we're trying to win. Yeah. This isn't a, a position that we're trying to defend. It really yeah. are people we're trying to lead. Exactly. It's so. meeting them where they are, understanding their story, discerning spiritually where they're at, um, pointing them to Jesus, living like Jesus. I mean, all these things... I hope are are go without saying. Following the Spirit's leading in their life, not being afraid to speak truth, not being afraid to um, put aside your your um, uh, your just whatever ignorance or yep. your bigotry that you may not want to admit to. You know, and so all that stuff should be surrendered to the Spirit as you seek to love them the way Jesus would love them. Drew, in terms of, uh, you know, within, particularly, I mean, you guys work with a lot of adults as well. Okay, I know that college students are sure. adults, but uh, we divide it up. Uh, in, in in college ministry, anything you want to add or kind of flesh out what Scott's describing? Yeah, I, I like what he's, because he, he's giving kind of a holistic picture of this. And, and I, I listened to an interview one time with one of my favorite, uh, she's a spoken word poet named Jackie Hill Perry. Yeah. And uh, a strong believer, but in, in, and before she was a Christian, um, was heavy into the lesbian lifestyle and, and strong into that. And, and when they were asking her about how her pastors and elders kind of helped her with this, and she said one of the things she appreciated the most is that they treated her as a whole person. And so that is, they weren't just calling her to give up lesbianism. They were treating her as a, like, all of her was broken. All, <laughs> like, she, there's, there's pride and anger and, and all these things, yeah, too. And yeah. and. Jesus is calling for all of my life. And, and so they, she, she's so glad that the focus wasn't simply, let's get you straight, right? Let's get you to, but like the goal is let's, let's work towards holiness. Let's work towards a life of sacrifice. And, and I think we have such a tendency. We can do this in anything. So, so Jesus isn't just trying to make me not an angry person. He's trying to restore all of me. But, but when it comes to sexuality, we tend to derive so much of our identity from our sexuality, yep. I think, in an unhealthy mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. That especially in this issue, it's easy for us to think the main problem is that this person s- struggles with same-sex attraction. And that's what we really yeah. need to fix. And we put all our focus there. Oh. But it's, it's a whole person. And, and Christ wants to redeem the whole person. Every part of me, my anger, my lust, my 
sexual sin, all, all these things together. And so that becomes really big to see those things and, and to work towards holds. Uh, Christopher Ewan says the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. <laughs> the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's what we're wanting to get aim for in every yeah. part of our life. Yeah. So. Sound like you got a, an, an answer wrong there. Second. Ago. Yeah, I got buzzed. You got <laughs> buzzed. No whammy. Yeah. Um, so here, here's uh, Morgan. Anything you want to add? And, and and maybe this might be a good place for us to even realize that Morgan's not just a pastor, but a Christian woman, who um, I'm sure has had some real conversations with some real people regarding this. So um, it's not just Morgan as a minister. How have you dealt with this? But just as a sister in Christ, maybe. You know, anything you want to add about you pastorally as just another sister leading somebody who's struggling or wrestling with uh, with same-sex attraction? I would point out that just what Drew and Scott are saying go together. So whenever you talk about someone being a whole person, that comes with the idea of being able to listen to their full, to their whole story and know where they are spiritually. And for specifically with teens and young people who struggle, they if they are seeking you out as an adult, um, to talk to, I think that's really important because there's a lot of other issues going on, at least with what I've dealt with. There's a lot of other issues going on besides uh, besides specifically a homosexual issue. So if you can listen and you can kind of help ask questions and um, let them kind of explain um, kind of what they're going through, then they can start to see a bigger picture. Because I think as young people and that a lot of times they can become fixated on this issue and think that because I struggle with this one issue, I am I am broken, and that it is bigger than that. And that's kind of what young people do with any sort of issue, right? Mm-hmm. I struggle with pride. I always brag about myself, and I always want to be, well, it's bigger than that. Or I struggle with this issue with my boyfriend or with this issue with whatever. And I think being able to help them understand that we are fully broken and that mm-hmm. we're striving towards holiness yes. is a bigger concept than what than than what they are initially thinking through. So yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and let me um yeah, you know, that's that's good. Uh obviously when we think about this, so there are those within um uh the Christian community. Uh, I, I remember and I'm a, kind of known as a guy that's gonna be pretty straightforward. And I wonder sometimes if that's going to put some people off. And yet I'm always amazed at I'll be speaking somewhere or even here at Sunnybrook and someone will say, I really feel like I can talk with you. And I've had a number of people just, you know, defenses down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would even just say that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of personalities that can yep. that can demonstrate, you know, yep. if I can take if Scott and I are. Uh, the yin and the yang, so to speak, very different personalities. I, I, I like the the diversity of that because I'm sure a number of people might hear me speak and go, wow, I don't think Jim will listen to me. And they go to Scott and other people go, wow, Jim will speak straight to me, although Scott would too. And, you know, so I, I love the fact that there are a number of different ways in which, you know, as we live out our faith, that we can mm-hmm. definitely create an approachability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even hope this podcast is that, that people realize, um, man, we do not want you to struggle through this by yourself, but yep. we're here to to love and help you, not just as shepherds and overseers, but also as brothers and sisters in Christ. Scott? Yeah. One, one thing I was thinking about as you guys were talking was, you know, the other, the other discernment piece is recognizing where they're coming from. And there's a spectrum of, from my experience, there's the, the Rosaria Butterfield. She is a PhD professor <laughs> in English, yeah. um, li- liberal, you know, um, literature, specializing in feminist literature, right? So so you're sitting next to her on the bus and you find out, so you better 
you better know what you're saying. You better yeah. know what words not to use. I mean, that are going to be mm-hmm. right. And so she's come to Christ, and so she can she can expound that. And then you have you have the kid that grew up and went to church and doesn't want to tell his parents. This is somebody I'm currently meeting with. Doesn't you know hasn't told his parents until he got to college and struggled with this ten years, twelve years. Has no no desire to live this lifestyle, but has this r- yeah, wrestling. This and so, I mean, there there is a spectrum of yeah. people's experience with Christian lingo and language and what they perceive to be oppressive language and and then or, or just shame and fear you know, fear and all these things. So, um, and so you know, this might be a little bit difficult. And so, Drew, I'll start with you on this one. Um, and then we have to we have to help our people be pastors. You know, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. And so it's not just, hey, if you've got a friend, you need to bring them to Morgan or to Drew or to Scott. Um, if you've got uh, somebody, you need to come and see us because we are the ones that understand how to care for people. But we want to help our people care for people. So um, how do we help our people think through these issues in a pastoral perspective? Um, what are some things that we um, can can do, Drew, to help them know how to care? Yeah. Although we've already said a big one. We've sure. Already- I think really one of the one of the big things that we need to be able to do um, is is to provide family and love and support for uh, single people in general um, to to be a kind to be a context to be a place where they find community. I, I've heard I've heard Christians who are striving to be faithful who who are experiencing same sex attraction but they're striving to be faithful. I've heard them say the biggest challenge is not oh I don't get to have sex. The biggest challenge is loneliness. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want to be alone. Like if I don't, if I if I'm not allowed to engage in this part of the relationship, then I just I'm afraid to, of being lonely. And and one of the I think it's uh, key because they don't they don't get that. That means if if for for whatever reason God doesn't heal them fully, they they never they never come to like to to experience heterosexual feelings. Then then they'll be celibate. They'll be single for their life as long as they try to be faithful. But I do find it. Um, beautiful that one of the primary images for the church's family yeah that brothers and sisters are yeah. described that so um what jesus i think says to he actually does say this that those who give up um family give up brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers will get a hundred times as much mm-hmm. not just in the coming kingdom yes not just in not, not when we get to heaven on the other side of eternity but but actually like now in this life, he says we get it, and and we get that. I think he says through the church is yep. what we get. We we you can you don't you're not forced to never have family um, when the church is actually being the family of God. That, yeah. that you actually get you get the family that you're longing for, and so I think that that's crucial for us to be able to love single people well and provide that together as a church. I have uh, I grew up with one uncle, my uncle Jim actually, um, who never married. And I just remember him coming and visiting a lot and, uh, and kind of having that context. I remember amazed, wow, you know, Uncle Jim's 40 and he never married. Um, and, and yet the one place where he always felt the most normal, the most at home, right, was, was with, 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 with family. And what an incredible picture um, that we can provide in, in terms of the church and how intentional that needs to be. Um, Morgan, anything you want to add to the how do we help our people be um, pastorally aware and pastorally uh, um, helpful uh, mm-hmm. with those people who are either struggling with or even thinking through these particular issues? I would say what Drew said, bring them into your home, bring them into your life um, in a personal sense. And then also I would just encourage you to ask a lot of questions. So in in order for someone to be heard, I think that 
you have to spend a lot more time mm. asking questions to try to understand mm. and not just giving them points or quick fixes or this is not this is something that a lot of times questions are can can be what leads to um kind of the help, the solution. And so if you just throw, there's a lot of that scripture has to say about this. And if you just throw those things or try to give some sort of quick answer, which I think actually as pastors, we can kind of do that a lot. Yeah. And that's kind of a fault that we have is we tend to kind of, are you done talking? Because I have my answer now. I have my <laughs> thought I want to say. You know, That I've of, been thinking about while you were talking. Right, <laughs> right. And so I think if you really try to take out some of that, at some and keep have it in your mind because you you can't like we don't want to just become passive or become um encouraging for the sake of encouragement that has nothing to do with truth or anything like that but i do think you kind of can lead people to um a deeper deeper issues that they're having um by asking questions and by really seeking to understand so i would say ask questions and i would say bring them in into your life and i do think that's really important because i think we get it backwards and think the church what Drew was saying, sorry, is really important because I think we, we say the church is an example of the family. And I think really the family is an example of God's plan for his people. <laughs> so I think it's the, it's the same with marriage. Marriage doesn't help us understand. It's not marriage helps us understand God better. It's not marriage is more full of a picture than God's love for us. It's marriage is kind of a, a reflection and example of yeah, God's love yeah. for us. So actually the truest community we can have is one that is Christ-centered in the church. That's even fuller than than family community, yeah. and that's just so. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you here's here's one thing that you know in terms of what Morgan just described is looking at this question holistically. That how do we help people deal with this issue in a pastoral way by teaching them to be pastoral, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Opening up your life by asking questions and by by teaching our people what we're describing here. You know, you're not here to going back. You're not here to win a fight. How do we come alongside and how do we create a congregation that not only opens up lives, but listens to where people are at authentically. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Scott, anything you want to add? Is there, is there even more to to address to this or is it? Well, I mean, what we're asking people to do is what we would ask people to do with anybody and everybody. So it's, you know, let's, let's, let's not think that this is, Unique. Primarily a uh, an issue for someone struggling with same sex attraction, but but this is the way we should live our life, and and it should be it should be integral to to how we live, and not not jump to these conclusions, seek understanding, all these things, and and but also realize that you know you have a, you have a, as a person you have an opportunity to speak truth, whether whether you get to a point where you can invite them into your life or not. You your 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 first goal is not okay. I got to find all the people who are struggling with same sex attraction and invite <laughs> them into my home. Now I gotta re. I mean, it's like okay, seek God on that. Let let him, yeah, let him bring the people into your life that God wants you to bring, and seek His will for that. What what He would have you do, um, and love them the way Christ would love them. Point point them to Jesus. The goal is not to get them to change those things. First, the goal is to help them see Jesus. Drew, yeah. Can I add one thing? And and I really love what Matt Chandler says, and and that is like if if the church, by the way, can't be a place for sexually broken people, then we don't understand our own message. Yes. Like if it's a, if it's not a, it's not a place where people can come and feel loved and fellowship and and those things they are going to feel like outsiders, then we don't get the gospel, which is that all of us are broken outsiders that are allowed to, that are allowed in like that. Our sin separates all of us and all of us are messed up, but all of us are made to be redeemed, we're made new in Jesus, and that's not our identity anymore. And so that that applies to everyone, 
with every struggle. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, before we move to our last question, though, let me, let me just throw this at what you just said, Drew, is that um, the usual problem that we have are not uh, Jim is broken. Um, he is sharing his brokenness in terms of his sexual understanding or his sexual activity. And he's really broken. He needs a community. It's now Jim's kind of ticked that you won't accept his lifestyle. Yeah. And so he's kind of angry. So I'm not broken. Well, I am broken, but I don't want to admit that I'm broken. And actually, I'm, I'm more I'm, I'm, I'm more aggressive. I'm more antagonistic. And then, and then it's those people that we also need to reach pastorally. Mm-hmm. And so I think we do, I, I would argue as a church, when, when someone is broken, I can think of people in my own life, they're actually easy to deal with. I mean, it's at my defenses are down. Um, but it's the ones who want to fight. It's the the mom who just found out that her daughter is a lesbian and she hasn't thought through the issue. She's trying to support her daughter. And now she's mad that as a church, we have these biblical views. And I don't want to just discard her and her family. I want to be there pastorally. So the truth is, yes, there is brokenness, but B, there is not any kind of recognition of their brokenness. And now they're angry how do we pass? And yeah. some people, yeah, that there yeah, are those people. Who- yeah, exactly. And, and I think, I think, I, I don't want to just say, yeah, we can't. When you break, come call me. Mm-hmm. It's no. How do we? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's it's you as the person helping the mom who's angry, or you as the person helping the person who's angry, saying, recognizing, man, I have, that's me. Yeah. Like I've been broken yeah. in that way, not been able to admit it, not been able to come face to face with it. So how do how would I want someone to walk with me through? my pride and my anger and my issues and so it's 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 the person who can recognize their own brokenness see it in others and give grace and truth as they walk through that is i think huge i my greek professor in college uh, uh who really did a lot of help helped me understand um this particular topic quite a bit actually and uh, i remember him challenging us as a class just describing um, those within the gay community or those who are being supportive of the gay community and he would ask me um, describing their brokenness from a scriptural perspective, and then asked me why we, and I don't know if anyone was particularly, but he was asking, why are we as a Christian community mad at them? Why are you angry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he really challenged me, and, you know, are you angry because they disagree with you, or do you really come to them speaking the truth in love? And uh, that's been helpful for me pastorally, um, and even to help our people dial it back. Like, be careful how you post. Be careful how you talk about these things not because of political correctness, but to realize you don't know how people are struggling around you um, and you want to create, right, in a truth-telling context, um, an approachability. And and then we can do it in different ways, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I do it one way, and, and you guys definitely do it another. So anything else to add to that before we go to our final question? Nothing at all? Okay. Um Lastly, Morgan, I'm going to begin with you, actually, um, uh, something you uh, talk about, even in terms of how you run your ministry. I really appreciate a conversation we had recently, and you said, you know, one of the reasons why we do this in our ministry, one of the reasons why on Wednesday night we walk through this curriculum and why I want everybody to be as best as we can on the same page is because I want to meet with those families, and I want to help them, you know, see where we're going, because that's really our goal is orange, is coming alongside families and helping them disciple their kids. Well, this is a major question, right? Yeah, it is. How do I talk to my kids about this? And you've got a son that you're trying to raise, and he's right in that 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 age where lots of questions are being asked. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a mom and as a pastor, 
how do we help our families understand um, and address the the issue of homosexuality and uh, the gay and lesbian lifestyle? I think a couple of things. One, what you just said to adult people about watching what you post or how you, Mm because you don't know anybody's struggling with, Mm -hmm. I think beginning to point out that, not just with homosexuality, but with lots of different things, I think beginning to point those out for your kids so they don't just make general statements about, you know, because we're teaching them what is right and wrong in scripture. And I think that then they can kind of just sometimes make statements and not know that there is so there's, there are people around them that, that might be struggling or that might be dealing with this in a different way. I remember my parents doing that with me a lot. And I remember making statements about homosexuality as a kid. It's pretty easy just to kind of go, ah, this is wrong or whatever. And um, I remember my mom telling me in the car, hey, just so you know, and she told me a person that was really close to our family and said, their brother, um, th- this man, adult man, this his brother, it is actually a um, he is homosexual, and this is what he does, and he lives that lifestyle. And so you just need to be careful because he is actually constantly struggling with how do I minister to my brother, how do I love my brother, how do I lead my brother, and and how do I follow Jesus faithfully, and how how do those go together, and and so you just need to be careful. But she did that with a lot of issues, right? It wasn't just sure. this this specific thing. And so I think beginning to kind of point that out to your kids, hey, you know how you just say um, it's dumb or, you know, moms and dads should love each other or it's dumb if somebody – well, you know what? Your friend actually has parents who, like, one of the parents has quit on the family. Yeah. Or, you know, I point out to Quan, my son, all the time. I point out to him all the time. Yeah, do you know, though, that, like, maybe – Maybe their parents don't love Jesus. So it's a little different than how I'm talking to you about what we're doing is a little different than your buddy because your buddy not understanding this and why this is important is because he's from their family doesn't love Jesus. So we need to think through then how we love that person. Yeah. And it looks a little different because you are kind of the example of Jesus in their life right now. And so we, I think, constantly pointing out that it's bigger than just a black or white thing. I think that's a very kid thing to do is right and wrong and right and wrong and it's there is this there is a lot starting to like unfold a little bit of the depth of of all these issues um another thing i would say though is that you should have these conversations with your kids and you should kind of pick up on what they're saying last night even when like what do you have an age in your mind no i would say I don't, I don't think I have an age. I think as they ask questions, you start pointing. I think identity, you should be talking to your kids about identity when they're little, like when like they're three. Sexual identity. Um, I think identity when they're okay. three. And I think talking about who they are. I think as a parent, one of your jobs is that you are you are to give your child a, their, ide- their identity and you're supposed to guard their identity. And so I think that's huge. Um, you talk about identity issues. Every junior high kid I know has an identity issue. Um, and, and are molded and shaped. Um, most third, fourth, and fifth graders have identity issues yeah. um, that I see. Ev- there is a reason, right? You would say um, Scott has a son who's awesome, outgoing, love him, has my heart. He, there's a reason he wants to be um, the center of attention. Front. Yes, there's a reason he wants to be in front. But and there's a reason why he's in front last night. We're we're singing and praising the Lord, and he is. 
he, we're doing a song that we're going to do at FX on, for the FX dance team. So he's learned it. And there's a reason that he is counting with his hands like this because he doesn't want to mess up because he wants people to know, I know how to do this, you know, and there's a reason for that. And so there's a way that I need to love and encourage him and not just go, you suck all the time. That wouldn't be good, right? To I don't think so. To take away pride. I mean, but I also should point it out. And I also should point yeah, it out and love him. that would not be him. good parenting. So, right. And that happens all the time, right? We, we have, we're talking in a small group and a little kid is obviously lying. You know, there is a little girl and she's a kindergartner and they're coloring a picture. And she said, my mom made this picture that we're coloring. Yeah, your mom didn't make that picture that you were coloring. You know, that would and be my girl. That would be your girl. Yeah. So these are just wow, right? So, but I think starting to kind of make them stop. You know, you're addressing addressing sin, but also helping them understand the layers to that. I think is um, I think is big. But I would say, so I would say when they start noticing differences, I'd also say if you have someone in your life that is struggling with this, that's a very natural, and, and you're you're um, in a relationship with them and you're openly talking about this with them, I think that's a natural thing your kid's going to see. And I think that provides a context of starting to talk about these issues. And um, that's going to, I think that's going to happen even more and more. I remember yeah. when divorce became not just something we don't talk about, but something yeah. that we talk about. Yeah. And that's definitely happening here. Mm-hmm. Scott, anything you want to add to it, Morgan? You know, the, the issue is, is, is the same with, like you said, it's the same with all things. And as you begin to help your kids wrestle with their own brokenness and sinfulness, their own desire to not do the things that God wants them to do, and then to be able to recognize it in others and be able to talk about it in a way that's, hey, this is consistent. This is, this is our struggle too. We love them. We help them see Jesus. Um, you know, we point them to who they are. Our kids. We point our kids to who they are. Those kinds of things. So, I mean, that that's huge. And I, I you know, I just think that I think the more that we are able to um, wrestle with this with them. My, my temptation is to make this more complicated. I, I need help. I need Morgan's help. I need other people's help to go, okay, I want to, I want to talk through the complication of right and wrong. Yeah. And what I need to help them see is things like, okay, here's what the Bible says about, this is how God defines marriage. So anything outside of that, God says is wrong. So that's, that's, that's our stance. Now this is how we love those people, but this, this is what, this is what the Bible says. This is how we, what we believe is right. And so that would be wrong, just like any other form of sex outside of marriage would be wrong. So, so what you're describing there actually is trying to develop a consistency within yeah. the family. Yes. yes. So this isn't a separate issue. And no. so how do we approach this completely different topic? No, this is actually, I'm going to walk us through how we approach this in terms of all of the topics. Yep. Which, and so you're calling for consistency. Yeah, there I go, trying to interrupt. There I go. I like it. <laughs> no, but no. which is... Add some depth to this. You know, no, which is why you know, modeling healthy yep. relationships yourself is a big deal. And which is why um, it, whenever you're failing, like that needs to be something at some point, you know, probably not when they're in third grade, but at some point um, before your child leaves the house, you probably, if you're, fr- you know, you're in, a, in the middle of a broken marriage and it has fallen apart, yeah. that needs to probably be talked about to your child that, you know, this is actually broken. Yeah. And I, I think those things need to be mm. said at yeah. some yeah. point. Yep. Um, so your kid's not leaving the home and going, man, you know, my mom just left my dad, always has terrible things to say about my dad. And, you know, and I don't know what to think about this other issue. Sure. And, I, and I'm coming at it through this context of here's how I grew up. 
and here's here's what I went through. Um, so I just think that, you know, healthy relationships in general need to be, it needs to be a consistency, what you're sure. talking about. And I, I'll tell you board. one thing I did with my kids was when, you know, go back to the divorce question that my boys were beginning to ask as they knew of moms and dads that were splitting. And uh, I gave my boys at a very young age, like, hey, this is what happens. If dad leaves and gets a girlfriend, um, if dad leaves your mom, then this is how you need to treat dad. And it wasn't disrespectfully, mm-hmm. but it was that when, when when I do that, should I leave your mom, then it's wrong because this is what the Bible teaches. And um, I know a lot of people might have a real hard time with that, but I tried to teach my kids well in advance what marriage was. Um, and so it wasn't just male, female, but it even going back and looking and developing a consistent understanding. And I, I tried to let them know dad submits to those same rules and expectations. Drew, final thoughts, not on the whole thing, but just yeah. final thoughts in terms of uh, how to address this with your kids. Um, and I and I didn't know that Amy was such a great artist or that your daughter was so good at <laughs> pretending that Amy was such a great artist. Yeah. So all of you with kids in Morgan's group, you can send us thank yous for the coloring <laughs> sheets that she's doing each week, laboring over. Um, now, I, everything you guys said, I think kids, um, when they're younger may not be the brightest, but eventually they'll start to figure out that man, mom and dad have not been real consistent when it comes to these areas of the Bible, but they keep (laughs) hammering on this one. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and I think they'll start. And so we want to, we keep saying it, but we want to lift up what marriage is meant to be all the way around. Mm -hmm. And we want to lift up biblical faithfulness in all areas of our life. And, and, and I think the more kids can see that, Oh, like, Everything the Bible says is valuable to my parents, and that's why this one thing is too. Yeah, right. and that's this, this seems to be important for all of our lives, and that's why it's important for this little bit of our life. Faithfulness to Jesus, who saved us, who made, who gave us our identity, who who brought us into His family. That matters for every part of who I am. Um, the more we can kind of show that across the board, I think it's going to be good. Our boys are are done with the with the sex talk, um, and each of those happened independently and to various degrees of success and failure. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I learned this years ago from uh, a, a couple at the college um, who were really, really good at speaking about subjects, subjects like this, um, Shannon and Carl Went. And uh, I remember when they said, listen, one of the first things that you need to do is you ask your kids, hey, what do you, have you heard people talk about sex? What, 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 what do you think that is? And then going back to what you were describing, Scott, then you, you deal with that question as they understand yes. it. Right. They may want to know where the baby comes from and they want to know the hospital or they want to know, you know, they don't need to know everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this subject is moving more and more into a regular conversation. And I love the idea of taking that same principle of approaching a child where they're at mm-hmm. and just being aware of, uh, so when they're asking questions about a mommy-mommy situation or a daddy-daddy situation, mm-hmm. um, how do we approach this pastorally? And how do we have that consistency in our marriage? And I think all the things that you've described are things that we need to come back and, and even teach our kids in terms of how to process, how to use our language, how to recognize that there are people, all of us know people in our own lives um, that are walking through this. And I think one of the best things, I've met with a number of parents and individuals who are dealing with family members who have made this choice, and their biggest question is, how do I explain to my my children about why we're not going to Thanksgiving at Uncle Tommy and his um, uh, and his husband, Trevor, you know? How, how do I explain that conversation? And I would even say this, we're, we're not the only ones, but we're here to help. 
-hmm. Like we would love to help you think through theologically or Mm -hmm. practically a lot of what these issues are. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's just one dimensional. I don't think there's one answer. The answer is no all the time. And the answer is be aggressive all the time. No, it's, there's lots of different ways that we can approach this subject, all being biblical. And let's think through this in terms of community. Anything else you guys want to add? I love, I love the reminder. I need it. That, that don't ask, don't answer the questions they're not asking. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yet once again, he explains it better than I did in fewer words. Hmm. You're welcome. That's You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Anyway, we love you guys, and uh, we're just grateful to think through this uh, with you. And like I said, if there's anything that we can do to help you uh, process this pastorally, uh, whether you're the one that is wrestling with this or you're trying to help others work through this, uh, please know that we're here to do this together in biblical community for the glory of God. Hey, we'd really love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to follow up with on any of these podcasts that you've been listening to, You can go to our homepage at sunnybrookcc.org and look at the bottom left-hand side of the homepage. There's a link to subscribe to our Twitter account, and you can tweet us any questions you have. Or if you prefer email, you can send it to steve at sunnybrookcc.org. We'll get it to the right person, and we'll either respond to you directly via email, a phone call, or maybe on a podcast.